the free for all roundtable round two on round two Michelle Morrow is here. She's a music teacher. Bob Richardson is senior counsel at National Public Relations. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two premiers. Let's start with uh, Hazel McCallion. Give her her due. And Deb Hutton, I have to figure, having served two different premiers, every once in a while you got a cold front from Hurricane Hazel. Well, you know, I was thinking about all the times I, I met her this morning, John, and last evening, and uh, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One was that because cell phones weren't something you gave out readily uh, when I was in government with uh, Premier Harris in particular, and so the receptionist would take the call, and then you'd see her run back into our suite of offices at Queen's Park and say, Mayor McCallion's on the phone, and there'd be panic. It'd be like, oh, God, what did we do? Why is she calling? <laughs> uh, and so it just it would send everybody into a, a tizzy uh, until the premier took the call and we figured out either what we had done or what we had to do coming up. And the second thought I had was that uh, Ed Bob would be, have gone to all kinds of these events. Maybe all of you have where the mayor's there and the premier's there and sometimes the prime minister's there. And it's, you know, some big gala event for some cause. And most people are on their best behavior, politicians, I mean, and, you know, dutifully smile at each other, shake hands, move on. You're there to see the people, support the cause. Not Hazel. If she had something on her mind, it didn't matter who she bowled over to get to, whether it was the prime minister or the premier, because she was going to take those minutes to make her pitch, whatever it was, or to scold you for something you'd already done. And Bob Richardson, she was definitely a Mississauga firster, so she'd make a deal with anybody if she had to. Uh, no question about that. She was a, c a character. She was hard charging, I would say, uh, but she certainly got things done. And she had kind of an independent political base where she uh, scared liberal, conservative and new Democrat alike because she had this uh, ability to kind of speak over politicians directly to people. And she wasn't afraid to exercise that. I got to know her a little bit uh, through our Olympic bid and some work on the Pan Ams. Uh, and she was very, very supportive of uh, sports, too, as well. So she'll be greatly missed, but uh, what, a, what a life well lived. Yeah, Michelle Morrow, um, you and I are on the younger side. Not, I mean, nobody would think of me as young necessarily, but I wasn't exactly in <laughs> politics in the 1970s. And something I keep coming back to is that was just the post-Madman era. And everybody was calling a woman sweetie honey all the time. And John Turner was still pinching women on the bum. Yeah, I was looking at um, I was just looking at her history because unfortunately I got into politics and she was already uh, near the end of her career as mayor. But to put it in perspective, she became mayor of Mississauga before I was born and retired after I had my first child. <laughs> so to have a career that spanned that long and to be um, reelected and if not loved, then at least respected, maybe feared a little bit. Maybe that's good. So you have to get you have to. Um, show respect for how much she gave of herself. And someone earlier had said she embodied service above self. And uh, that to me is worth everything in a politician. Weekend trucker protests in Ottawa and a few other venues came to a quiet end. Everybody packed up and went home. Ottawa police didn't even allow you to park if you, uh, you know, they, they kept everybody moving. And Wellington Street is set to reopen. So I guess my question, Bob Richardson, is it's not in the scrap heap necessarily, but this is the end of the ongoing never ending protest. Yeah, I think so. Look, it was a bust this weekend. Um, the clips I saw barely had 100 people on uh, Parliament Hill. Uh, there was almost nobody there. Uh, although among some of the people there, they have this illusion that they have this huge support from Canadians, um, which uh, is quite 
these guys are just a very strange breed. But anyways, um, uh, it, it's pretty clear. There's not a lot of support. It's wrapped up. It's moved on. And part of the reason is, I think fundamentally, they still are not 100% sure what they're mad about. Yeah, Deb Hutton, uh, the people who did wade into the crowd, it was the usual conspiracy theories and the vaccine's going to kill us and Pfizer's covering it up and uh, Justin Trudeau's a dictator, although the last thing I suppose is arguable. <laughs> well, I won't take the time to do that right now, John, but I, I, uh, I agree with Bob. Uh, I drove my uh, daughter up to snowboard and back at uh, Horseshoe Valley on Saturday, and I would say there's probably three or four bridges that had the Canadian flags and the people. And uh, there were two things I noted. First of all, when I actually looked closely, it was mostly flags and not people. So from a distance, it looked like there were maybe 40 people on, on one of the overpasses. And it looked then when I got close, like it was 40 flags and about five people. The second thing is, uh, you know, we've all encountered this, these, the Canadian flags on the overpass, presumably in support of the convoy protest. And usually there's actually a significant amount of honking, whether it's all supportive or not. Not a single horn was honked. So to Bob's point, uh, I think the country's moved on and these guys need to figure that out. Yeah, and just a bad cleanup here, Michelle Morrow, I've always thought that the convoy protesters overestimated the historic and numerical significance of what they were up to. Yeah, if I hadn't had the radio on this weekend, I wouldn't have known it was the anniversary. And I think that says a lot about it. <laughs> okay. Um, listen, let me start with you, Michelle Morrow, on this next one, which is veteran Ontario Liberals, having almost burned their own house down, now want somebody else to come over and fix their wagon. Um, if I were one of the four people, and there may be more, considering a run for the leadership who has worked in the trenches with the Liberal Party, I'd be pretty ticked off that they're hunting, headhunting over at the Green Party and trying to get Mike Schreiner to come on over like it's a, a game of red rover yeah i was actually really surprised considering the reading the quick biographies of the four people running like they seem decent politicians and they they have experience in that sort of thing i can see with mike schreiner he would have more of a name perhaps um to pull people into the liberal side but i think it would be a big risk for mike to switch and to if anything happened there's no guarantee he would win and we there's no guarantee the liberals would do well and so it would be a big risk i think to step away from what he has really built his whole brand on as being the green party leader deb hutton if i worried about the future of any political party then i guess i'd worry about the future of the liberal party i just think that this is this shows a level of desperation yeah, I actually think so, too. Um, one of the things Premier Ford did successfully in, in the most recent election was to paint all of the other three parties as essentially interchangeable. So if this doesn't reinforce that message, I don't know what does. Um, it's embarrassing for party members, I have to think. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll yield to my friend Bob here to, to speak to that, but I, I think it is embarrassing to do this. The only thing I will say is not to be too gleeful about this is it, it no, but it does have happen periodically. I remember uh, after the devastation of the late 80s, I had just gotten to Queen's Park. I was like 20, early 20s and, and so excited to be there. We had more announcements of people putting out a press release saying they wouldn't run for the Conservative Party provincially at the time than we had people who actually were putting out announcements to run. So it does happen to all of us. I think it's cyclical at some point, but this is an embarrassing way to handle it. Yeah, Bob Richardson, I have to wonder if one of the concerns for the provincial liberals is they become like the federal conservatives, which is they just keep churning through leaders and the public keeps going, nah. 
Well, I think that's why the vast majority of liberals are, quite frankly, uh, find this whole thing ridiculous. Uh, this is a small group of, of primarily folks from uh, Kitchener, Waterloo and Guelph and what I would call the dilettante wing of the Liberal Party. Um, so, uh, you know, we've got a, a few characters uh, doing this. It's unhelpful. It's poorly executed. It undermines the present candidacies. We've got three terrific candidates in the race. Two, two of which are federal members of parliament, one an MPP, and we've got another MPP uh, considering coming in. Uh, we don't need Mike Schreiner. And by the way, if you held a vote today among liberals, 80% of people would vote not to have Mike Schreiner. So I, I, I think this will pass into the night, but it's embarrassing and it's not a good look for the party. And a number of people on that list are smart. They should know better and we shouldn't be putting the party in this situation. Not long ago, I was sitting on a park bench in a park looking at the uh, encampment in one of the city's uh, parks, and he said, you know, it's a civil right to live in a park. I said, no, it isn't. And now a judge has said, yes, absolutely it is. Um, Deb Hutton, what the judge has ruled here in Ontario is that if a bed cannot be found and a suitable bed, it can't just be some sort of cot somewhere. If a suitable bed can't be found for a homeless person, they actually do have a charter right to camp out in a park. Yeah, this has to be overturned. It's ridiculous. The notion that a municipality can't do with its own property on our behalf what is safe and what is legal is disgusting to me. If this judge wants to make public policy, this judge should run for office. This has to be appealed. It has to be overturned. And I just, I know the advocates here in Toronto for the encampments will celebrate this, but we have to, I think all of the cities should actually appeal this. It's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, the charter has to be balanced. And Bob Richardson, it seems that there is an activist type of judge who thinks that the charter is absolute. So anything that somebody argues is a charter right, the judge goes, okay. Yeah, this is capital R ridiculous. Uh, cities have enough to deal with without this is extreme uh, judicial overreach, in my opinion. Um, and uh, yeah, I've read the article a couple of times. Even his reasoning seems fairly weak and political as opposed to legal. So uh, this needs to be appealed immediately and cleaned up. Cities have got responsibility for you know managing the properties that they have. It's a very difficult uh, job at the best of times. They don't need this nonsense going on on the side as well. Okay, I want to finish with a happy story. And Michelle Morrow, you may be the only person who gets a chance to comment because the clock's a ticking. But this is the story of a guy on YouTube named Mr. Beast, real name Jimmy Donaldson. He made the arrangements along with a uh, ophthalmologist and surgeon named Jeff Levinson to ultimately have 1,000 cataract operations performed for people who could not afford them and literally give them back their sight. Oh, I wish you could see how big the smile is on my face right now. I saw the articles this morning and I spoke to my nine-year-old who pretty much jumped through the roof that we were talking about Mr. Beast. He's one of his favorite YouTubers. It's really nice to see a content creator have such a positive impact and because we think about content creators and sometimes we think not favorable things, but Mr. people like Mr. Beast and um, even like Mark Roper who really try to put good things out there and donate money. And the first thing when I asked Kale about Mr. Beast, he was like, he gives away so much money. This is not the first time that Mr. Beast has done something like this. And so it's really good to see him getting a little bit more traction with people perhaps outside the YouTube community. And maybe this will generate more funds for the companies that he's now associating himself with to get rid, uh, to help people get rid of their cataracts and be able to see. That's a huge thing. Nicely done. Thank you, Michelle Morrow, Bob Richardson and Deb Hutton 
now I got to go look up Mr. Beast on YouTube and see what his content actually is. But whenever people say, well, I'm moving to LA to become an influencer. Okay. What would you like to influence? Catch the round table round one at seven 45 round two at eight 45 weekday mornings on more in the morning. News talk, 10, 10 Toronto.